The show that takes you home. The Home Stretch with Sterling Holmes on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. Welcome to the Home Stretch, ESPN at Kansas City, Sterling Holmes live in studio on a gorgeous Thursday afternoon. Kyle is behind the glass. Kyle, how are you? Man, I'm ready to go. Are you? Let's party. Let's party? Yeah, that's the motto for the Home Stretch. We're going to party. It is the motto. Your grandma's listening. Shout Shout out to your grandma. Shout out to Kyle's grandma. Grandma, thanks for lunch today. I hope you're ready to party with us, Grandma. Come on, Grandma. It's party time. What'd you get for lunch? Where'd you take you? Uh, so I've, I got my little brother today. Yeah. Parent-teacher conferences. No sure. School. He wanted McDonald's. Hey, that's I fine. I was not thrilled about That's it. fine. It's fine. You got to make the kid happy. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's not about you. It's his choice today. It's not about Kyle's grandma. It's about your younger brother. Yeah, that's right. Got to make younger brother happy. Mm-hmm. Oh, and he was... And my grandma's always got some chocolate treats. Oh, my goodness. He had a day. What kind of chocolates? She and Andre's? Hershey's. Hershey's. Hershey's bars. Hershey there kisses. We go. She's got some Reese's. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, that's, that's top-tier grandma stuff right there. Stocked. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Good for her. Yeah. Uh, I do want to say, uh, I got to give a shout-out to my mom. Uh, she was back on radio for the first time in a long time. Max, Tana, and Moffitt were back on Fox, 101 The Fox, filling in for Slacker as Slacker's going through his um, cancer treatment, right? So we're all here in support of Slacker, the Slacker backers. And it was cool seeing Max, my mom, Tana, and Moffitt back in studio again for the first time. And I think it was 17 years. First time they've all three been back together in 17 years. It was fun, man. I hate waking up early. Yeah. Hate it. I got up at 5.55 just to make sure I could turn the radio on at 6 o'clock because they went on at 6. I will say I listened to the first hour and then I fell back asleep. Okay, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I can listen to Boston foreplay long time so many times before I'm like, all right, come on. I'm gonna, I am going to go to bed. Okay, They didn't get to choose what songs to, to play. They, they, they didn't get that opportunity. But, you know, I can only listen to so much Bon Jovi. I, don't get me wrong. I like Bon Jovi. But I've heard... I've heard... Same songs off of Slippery When Wet so many times. Yeah, I'm a cowboy. On a steel horse I ride. I'm wanted dead or alive. Okay, come on. There are other songs on Slippery When Wet, but we're not here for that. It was so fun listening to them back together, joking around, having a good time. It was fun. Did it sound like almost 17 years hadn't gone by? Yeah. That's a long layoff there. Yeah, it's a a long time off. Can you imagine not doing the home stretch for 17 years and then coming back? No. <laughs> I, I still wouldn't know what to talk about. I, I would be a, a loss for words. What happened in 17 years? Hopefully I still have all my lettuce. If I go bald in 17 years, this is going to be a bad day. I guess it wouldn't matter because it's radio, right? It's the one good thing. Very true. Very yeah. true. No, but it was cool. Glad that they had a good time. Glad that it went well. Um, and again, if you guys want to show some support, go to 101thefox.com and show, show some support for Slacker as he's going through a very rare uh, type of cancer. He's trying to get a bone marrow transplant, everything going on right there. So um, Slacker's been a part of the Kansas City radio community for a long, long time. But it was a gorgeous day out today, so you better believe I hit the golf course up for a little bit before this show. Okay. 
you better believe I, I, I played holes one and two. Two holes of golf. Today. I'm not going to say where is, where is that because I'm not getting kicked off. Oh, yeah. You know, you know come on. I'm, I can't give away all my secrets. Yeah. That's an off-air kind of. That's an off-air yeah. conversation. Okay. But, yeah, I played holes one and two. It was nice. It's a beautiful day outside. It's a beautiful day. And you know what has me so excited? Kyle, what's so exciting to me is Trent McDuffie looks like a legitimate CB1. He's leading the Chiefs in tackles. Might as well call him Trent McStuffy. <laughs> okay, I know that's bad. But what's not bad is his first overall PFF cornerback grade in the entire NFL. The number one ranked cornerback according to PFF. Not only that, we know he's not a ball hawk necessarily. And I think part of that is how the Chiefs and Steve Spagnuolo decides to play defense. They're less aggressive. Uh, they don't need to force as many turnovers as other teams. The offense is, you know, electric, so they don't have to try and be the Cowboys. You know, I know I feel bad for Trayvon Diggs, but the Cowboys needed that ball hawk to try and turn the ball over. you got to get as many opportunities as possible, right? Chiefs don't play that way. They used to play that way to an extent. They don't anymore, especially in the post-Marcus Peters years. Javarius Ward is a damn good cornerback. But what made Ward so great was he was constantly in the opposing player's hip pocket. He wasn't trying to necessarily pick the ball off. So when you do that, you have less penalties and less chance of being burned. He's having a great career now since he's gone to San Francisco. I mean, he's been outstanding, let's be real. But Trent McDuffie, some of the same things that made Charvarius Ward great, some of the same things you're seeing in McDuffie. He uses his body so well. He's such a smart player. You don't see him get called for many penalties, and he does not get fooled by trying to get interceptions. How often have you seen Trent McDuffie fooled by a double move? It's rare. I can't think of a single time. If you want to say fooled, I can think of two. The preseason once this year, and the Super Bowl against A.J. Brown, where it actually looked more or less like McDuffie just tripped. I always said McDuffie worries me to an extent on the ceiling because of the lack of size in regards to recovery. But when you're not getting burnt, you don't have to recover. McDuffie is not getting burnt. He's been outstanding. Again, the number one ranked cornerback, according to PFF. He's leading the Chiefs in tackles. He is a willing tackler, a strong tackler, plays much bigger than his size. And again, he's forced to fumbles. And when you hear secondary is high in tackles, that's usually not a good thing. Usually. Usually not a good thing. Right. Now, this Chiefs defense is a little different than others. You know, a lot of times if you're a cornerback that has a ton of tackles, it's because you're giving up a ton of passes. That's not the case with McDuffie. A lot of it is he's up at the line of scrimmage, and he's been so effective in the run game. He's very good at identifying runner pass as well. Again, he is, as Briscoe and I were laughing about on Tuesday... Some earlier day this week, Briscoe and I were laughing, saying, he's not a big guy, but he gets downhill so quick. We're laughing at all of the things that made him fall in the draft haven't really mattered at all. McDuffie has been that good. He gets downhill, a willing tackler, you know, 
16 tackles in three games for a cornerback is huge. Huge when you're on a team like the Chiefs, where Spagnolo likes to send his cornerbacks on blitzes, where he likes his cornerbacks to be physical and willing tacklers. The entire secondary is full of willing and good tacklers. You don't see that in the NFL. Turn on a lot of NFL games, it's those, I'll hit you with my shoulder. It's those, I might try and hold you up, but I'm not going full on at you. Yeah, Joshua, it's going to wrap you up until the whistle blows. Yeah, yeah. Williams, Jalen Watson, McDuffie, Legereus Sneed, and even if you want to get to the – Justin Reed's trying to lay the wood out there. It's impressive what this Chiefs secondary has, has, has done and what they've built to become. What do you got from it for me as far as Trent McDuffie? I said, I said McStuffie. <laughs> Seth, I, I, I like that. Seth Kaiser said Trent McTuffie. I like that as well. It, they're not too bad. But uh, it's this is a great spot to be right now, considering that maybe. Now, during the Bears game, the offense obviously exploded. First two weeks, I think most Kansas, Cityans, most Kansas City Chiefs fans were a little bit nervous. This is a young uh, young core of, uh, of weapons around Mahomes. Maybe they're going to take some more and more and more time to develop throughout the season. It's a great spot to have a shutdown defense right now, to let those guys work if they need it. Steve Spagnuolo doesn't really like to work with rookies. Not saying he doesn't like to work with rookies, but if he had his druthers based on all of his conversations last year, he doesn't want them all at once. He wants some veterans. How many rookies are playing meaningful snaps on this Chiefs team defensively? Is FAU considered to play? you know, a considerable amount of snaps? Because not really. Mike Dana has been that guy. And when Charles who comes back, you might see even less of FAU. Not a bad thing. This is not me trying to take a shot at the rookie class. My point is, they don't need to. That's actually what you want in a team, where you don't have to have your rookies play meaningful snaps. Last year, Carl Loftus was a... Um, he had to. There was no choice. Carl Loftus had to step in and be a starter week one. If he didn't step up, that defensive line was going to be atrocious. Last year, McDuffie, Watson, and Williams had to play a lot at cornerback. There was no choice. Yeah. They needed those guys. Mm-hmm. Well, now those guys grew up into what they are right now. They have hit on these guys. That is another huge aspect. But you have Chamari Connor as a versatile chess piece in the secondary, and you don't hardly have to use him. These are all good situations the Chiefs have put themselves in. And again, it goes back to the depth. And I've said time and time again, I might be on the minority side of things here in regards to how you help Patrick Mahomes. I know a lot of folks kept saying, we'll give him a legitimate wide receiver one. Bring in DeAndre Hopkins. Go out and sign Devontae Adams. Trade for him. Give him. That incredible wide receiver one. And I always pushed back. Not because I don't think the Chiefs wouldn't like to have that guy. But I think when it comes to building a roster, you have to pay these guys. Okay, We're in the salary cap era. This is not Madden. Okay, A little different here. Mahomes can make wide receivers and weapons better. You know what Mahomes can't make better? The defense. Spend some money on the defense. 
help grow and build the defense. You saw it all the time in New England. How often did New England have the best wide receiver? You might say Randy Moss for those that couple years. I, I, I will 1,000% grant you that. Yeah. But Wes Welker was good, but he was never, what, a top 5, top 10, top... I don't know what, what number you want to go to. Julian Edelman was good, but that's not Justin Jefferson, yeah. Jamar Chase. We're not talking about the elite of the elite, right? There you go. The, he, there are not elite weapons. He had Gronkowski, and Mahomes has Travis Kelsey. Yep. But he didn't always have Gronkowski. Brady got it done a lot, but because he had such a great defense, he wasn't forced to try and put up 35 points a game. The Chiefs are, in my opinion, taking a page out of the Patriots book here, saying, all right, Brady could make those wide receivers better. We saw that. Mahomes can make his wide receivers better. He can't make the defense better. Let's focus some money, some resources on the defense. This way, Mahomes does not have to go out and put 35 points a game. There's multiple ways to help Patrick. One's giving a wide receiver one, or do you spend that money on the defense to where, okay, now the defense is doing their job. They're not per- perpetually giving up 30-plus po- points a game, and you lose a game putting up a 50 spot against the Rams. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah, precisely, I, yeah. My, this is my point, and I, and I think the Chiefs are making a, a legit effort to do it this way, and maybe I'm wrong. But they're trying to get controlled talent at wide receiver, young, cost-controlled talent, but they're not going to go out and spend big money even moderate money, at least that's what it looks like on a wide receiver. And I think about it th- this way too, Sterling. I, what's you can't stop him, but what's one of the uh, you know top ways to stop Patrick Mahomes? Keep him off the field. And teams would do that and just grind away at this Chiefs defense. Now that's going to be it's much tougher to do now. When the Chiefs have one of the best linebacking cores in the entire NFL. And again, I think it's a little interesting because you look at the Chiefs linebackers. They're almost greater than the sum of their parts. Like, Nick Bolton's a really good linebacker. It's not Levante David. It's not Fred Warner, right? It's not prime Bobby Wagner. I love Nick Bolton. Don't get me wrong. But you're not going to hear me say, yeah, that, that's, that's uh, Luke Keekley, right? It's just, it's, he's not one of the best five linebackers in, in football, right? He's not. And I'm a Mizzou alum, and I love Nick Bolton. Where would you put Drew Tranquil? The Chargers, who were a dumpster fire, didn't want him back. Now, I love Drew Tranquil. I think it was a good signing. A lot of Chargers media folk I talked to said they wish that he would have came back. Chargers can't stop anyone, and their linebackers are brutal. And even they said, you know what, I think we're going to move on from Drew. Willie Gay Jr. has been up and down. Leo Chanel is young. But yet they play so well together because the Chiefs have found ways to identify one thing that all those guys do well. They find one thing that maybe they could grow and do better. But then they complement them. They put Nick Bolton and Willie Gay Jr. on the field at the same time. They put Drew Tranquil on the field in obvious passing down situations. They used Drew Tranquil to get after the quarterback as well, a guy who had five and a half sacks last year and was top 15 in pass coverage as a linebacker. Willie Gay Jr. was top 15, in, according to PFF, as a pass coverage linebacker. Nick Bolton, we know, is great getting downhill. 
but his weakness is is pass coverage. He's grown there. He's gotten better. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I hate when people just act like he still is what he was when he was a rookie. No, he's gotten better. Okay, he's gotten better. But all of these linebackers individually might not be the best in the NFL. We know that. But you put all four of these guys together, this is a damn good group. And you add in the special teamer and a little bit of play last week and Jack Conker, and you're like, wow, there's, there's even more depth behind these guys. Again, this goes back to Brett Veach, Spagnolo, and the entire defense identifying, finding what works for them, and putting this together. Because you look on paper, game's not obviously played on paper, but you look on paper. Chiefs defense is not going to scare a lot of teams, right? Yeah, not a ton of stars outside of Chris Jones. It's not, you know, and that's not always fair, right? But if you ask the average fan, the average fan, how many stars are on this Chiefs defense right now? They'd probably say Chris Jones. I think name recognition, you might get Nick Bolton. You might. But how many are going to say McDuffie, Legereus, Need? How many are going to recognize what Mike Dana has done as a rotational piece or George Karloftis as a starter? Drew Tranquil with a gay junior. Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams. Brian Cook and Justin Reed. Derek Nottie being a run stepper looking good again, which Derek Nottie, again, hats off to you for looking good. But you, you bring these names up to the average NFL fan. They don't know those names. Again, the Chiefs are doing a great job with young, cost-controlled talent and finding what works for them. Okay, you know, the Rams at one point, you know, you had Bobby Wagner, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, you know, uh, was it uh, Taylor Rapp, the safety, right? He That was late in his career, but still, like, they had some bigger-named guys. Leonard Floyd, like, they had some bigger-named guys, guys you knew. The Seahawks had the same thing. The Chiefs don't have these bigger-named guys. Doesn't matter. They might be the best-kept secret in the entire NFL. All right, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back. Got some Chiefs audio, including a fun one from Willie Gay Jr. Homestretch, ESPN, Kansas City. Welcome back to the home stretch, ESPN at Kansas City. I know no one cares about this. No one cares about your fantasy football team, and people care about your fantasy baseball team probably even less. But I have the mic in front of me, so I am going to bring something up. Cole Reagans dealing right now for the Kansas City Royals. He's gone four innings, four strikeouts, and only thrown 43 pitches as they are on the road against the Detroit Tigers. Why I bring this up, you may ask, got a lot of money in the line, and I don't know how great it is that part of my entire season relies on a guy that has pitched for the Royals and I don't know, 11 starts, but here we are, baby. That's September baseball. <laughs> I, always, I always hate, in fantasy football, just a standard ESPN leagues, you go until week 17. I guess technically week 18 now at this point, right? 17 games, the bye week, week 18. Correct. Why? 
Can we can we end a week earlier, two weeks earlier, so that way I know if a dude's going to play or not in the final game? Right. Because if you've got a guy on a winning team, he's sitting. You know what I do? You draft guys on bad teams. <laughs> okay. This is why you do this. This is why Devontae Adams is going to be on my team. There we go. Or T. Higgins, because the Bengals right now are two scoops of ass. Mm-hmm. They need all the wins they can get. They're going to be going up to the end of the season. We know this. Okay. Sorry, Grandma. Sorry for <laughs> sorry for cussing. <laughs> Kyle's grandma, not my grandma, your grandma, sorry. You got to draft guys on bad teams. Because I'm sitting here right now in face baseball. The Minnesota Twins are sitting all the starters at the four innings. Sonny Gray, you kidding me? Four innings? So Cole Reagans, here we go, baby. Sonny Gray is like third in Cy Young at the moment right now in the odds. He's been great. Yeah, and he's he's thirty four, I believe. So he, yeah, they're they're sitting him a little bit, aren't they? Before yeah, it's, the it's, it's it's BS. Mm, that's tough. It's 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 a hard life. We're going to the end of the season. Why do we have a whole hundred and sixty two game? You we have a hundred and sixty two games in fantasy baseball. Hey, maybe let's cut it out at one fifty five or one twenty. Seriously, Tyler Glasnow hardly pitched at all yesterday for the for the Tampa Bay Rays. He pitched what four and two thirds. Five innings? Oh, yeah, and of course, Tariq Skubal got rained out. Sorry, I, get, I know no one cares right now about this. There's a lot of money on the line, okay? Got a couple bills on the line right now. Yeah, I'd be worked up, too. Yeah, still projected to win now. Come on now. You know the team name? I can't wait. I, I was can't pretty wait. proud of this one. I was pretty proud of this one. Yogi Berenstein Bears. <laughs> That's... That was off the, off the dome. Oh, I was going to ask. I was gonna That's ask. not me looking a name up. Good fantasy baseball. No, this is me off the dome. Yeah, there okay. we go. Yogi Berenstein Bears. That's fantastic. Typhoon Panda says, pick players on teams with no choices. I would pick. You only get three pickups in fantasy baseball a week. You got to use them on pitchers at the very end. See, I have a whole strategy right now. Don't know if I want to give it away just in case my dude V's listening, my, my opponent right now, trying to get some insider knowledge. There's a, there's a baseball strategy you have. You only have three pickups a week. Use them on starting pitchers. You drop one. Starting today. Whoever pitches, sorry, you're not pitching by Sunday. You're getting dropped. I don't care who you are, Sonny Gray. Pick up some random dude from the Oakland Athletic. Whoever's playing Oakland, quite frankly, is pretty much who you pick up. Although... It's the freaking Twins. <laughs> of it, was, course. it was a good matchup. I'm thinking pretty good over here. All right, 12 Ks for Sonny Gray. Nah, four innings. Mm. All right, since no one cares about that, I do want to get to something that some people, I think, care about, and that is Willie Gay Jr. He had a whole short clip that was going around Twitter that didn't get all of the full thoughts, and it made it sound much worse than it is. But Willie Gay Jr. was asked about what to look for when they face the New York Jets. There's plenty of controversy in New York about the quarterback position. That's not your guys' issue right now. But when you look on tape, what are you seeing from Zach Wilson in their offense? Damn. That was a hard question, I can't lie. Uh, the team that want to run the ball, you know, uh, of course, man, you know, not, that wasn't, you know, to be funny or anything, but A-Rod got hurt and it turned into a team where, like, in panic mode almost. That's what I see, at least. And um, they got great running backs, so now they're just trying to pound it, pound and ground. Um, 
like they did. Uh, what, what what game was that? Who did they just? I don't know if they won or not, but uh, I feel like the running back's been rolling. So, uh, like I say, three great ones. So, that's, I feel like that's their game plan. When you guys face a team that's had some issues, like the Bears were coming in a little bit disheveled, and you know now you're facing the Jets, who've had some struggles on offense. How important is it for you guys to just keep teams that aren't going well, yeah. not going well? Um, you know, that's definitely our goal. You know, because uh, any given day, man, a team could explode on you, and next thing you know. They, they, they got a streak going, starting with you, starting with you. And um, and uh, like I say, when we just do our job and execute our game plan, that's we do we do what needs to be done. And that means shut them out, keep them to a low number of points, whatever it takes. I just love, <laughs> you know, Jets coming into town. What are, you, what are you looking for in that offense? Damn. Tough question, not going to lie. Yeah, he really paused for a couple seconds yeah. there. I, I do like... He tried to make sure it wasn't a big deal. He tried not giving any bulletin board material as if that actually is going to matter in this game. But he tried to catch himself. I I don't think he was trying to be disrespectful by any means. It's one of those situations where you are like, well, their offense hasn't looked good. How am I going to give them credit and say we're not overlooking them? They do have some good running backs. They do have some good wide receivers and some good weapons. They got no quarterback. Their offensive line has been bad. Uh, I actually talked to a Jets guy yesterday, right? We I do a weekly kind of sit down with a media member of the opposing team. We do it on Arrowhead Addicts. It's a lot of fun. We do it on Wednesdays. So we sat down with a uh, Jets guy. And he goes, the offensive line's not as bad as I think a lot of people are making it out to be, but it's still not good. You're looking at a... 18 to 22nd ranked offensive line. I think a lot of people, myself included, thought it was bottom five, bottom three. He goes, yeah, they're, they're banged up. They're injured. They aren't quite that bad. He goes, Zach Wilson's making them look a lot worse than they actually are. I was laughing saying, you know, Sam Darnold was seeing ghosts, but at least he was seeing something because Zach Wilson is seeing nothing out there. It could be a wide-open Garrett Wilson, and he's like, nah, I think I should probably check the rock down. Like, I feel bad for Zach Wilson because his confidence is completely shot. You have a Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Namath, who is doesn't say a lot as far as the team stuff goes. You know, Joe Namath struggling. I want to kiss you. I mean, he's got some great quotes from... From interviews. From yeah. interviews. Joe Namath has some, <laughs> said some great quotes, but it's typically not in line with ripping on your own team. Correct. A little new for Joe. So, yeah. Zach Wilson's confidence is completely shot. Robert Sala is trying his best to keep the team rallied behind him. You, you've seen some disconnect, basically, with the team being... Man, you got to back someone else. Bring someone else in. They're trying with Trevor Simeon, but I doubt he's going to be ready to go on Sunday. And what I find almost disheartening for Jets fans and players, I think it was Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner or DJ Reed was asked post-game about the defensive performance. They did a great job. They gave, what, 10 points, something like that? Uh, The Jets gave up 15 total. 15 points total. Yeah. And he goes, that's on us. We didn't do enough. 
We should have held him to zero. And if that is your thought process as a defensive player that you can't win a game unless you hold him to zero, and I'm not trying to take a shot at him, but, but I don't blame him for saying that, but the point is, if the thought process is for these guys, if you don't hold him to zero, you're probably going to lose this game. That's so hard to play defense. It's like a pitcher. It's like a pitcher when you have to go out and you go, man, if I give up a run, if I give up one run, we're going to lose this game. Yeah. It's like Zach Greinke in 9 You know, like when Correct. he won the Cy Young, or when Felix Hernandez won it with Seattle, when they had, he had like 12 wins. Like it's one that You're like, if I give up one run, we're losing this game. And so for the Jets, if they are saying, we didn't hold them to zero, that's on us, that is not a good sign for the Jets' defense. Yeah, that is a mental thought process that is not sustainable. It won't make you better. It, it'll grind you down <laughs> and physically. I love the comment. Jets are going to run, run, run. Yeah, not run, run, pass. Even Robert Salas said enough run, run, pass. It's run, run, run. They run, run, run options? Well, they do have some good – it's going to be the, the – was it the, the Navy? Is it Army? Army offense, the triple option? Yep, yep. They got some running backs. Dalvin Cook, Brees Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Carter. Michael Carter, the, the second. Oh, the second. Because they also have Michael Carter, who's a cornerback on that team. There's two here. Michael Carters on the oh. Jets. Yeah, yeah. One's a running back, one's, one's, one's a cornerback. Yeah. A little, little confusing, I'm sure. At least it's an easy name to pronounce, though, right? Michael Carter, that's easy. So, the Jets are going to run the rock. If this was any other year, I would say, okay, Chiefs might have some issues on their hand. Right? Because the Chiefs traditionally have not been able to stop the run very well. This year's different. Especially if Nick Bolton is good to go. I know Nick Bolton still has that ankle uh, bothering him. Right? Got a few more days to get right. Drew Tranquil, as much as I like Drew, he's a little lighter than Nick Bolton. Not as traditionally talented getting downhill. So maybe this is more of a Leo Chanel type of game. Right? Because he is good. At that, getting downhill, he was top 10 from week, I want to say 16, and then through the playoffs as far as a uh, run-stuffing linebacker, which was pretty talented for a uh, young cat last year in Leo. Absolutely. He's grown this year already, as you can see, a lot. I'm not as worried as I was in past years as far as the Chiefs getting gouged on the ground by talented running backs. I don't see that happening, especially again. When you see Derek Nottie looking more like the rookie version, the sophomore version of Derek Nottie, and not last year's version, that also gives me a little more hope. When you look at the line, the last I saw was 9.5. I know the Chiefs are on the road, right? Doesn't that seem... Now it's 8.5. Chiefs minus 8.5. 8.5-point favorites. Doesn't that seem really low? Uh, yeah, it does. Uh, because I believe there's a different game. NFC game is like 14 and a half. Uh, who is it? I got to f- figure out who That's it Niners, is. That's uh, Niners, Arizona. There, Yep, there it is. If you think I'm not going to pull up my, uh, pull up this game right now and throw some cash on it, you're out of your mind. If I see eight and a half, it's still nine and a half on FanDuel right now. I'm still going to take the nine and a half. 
I wonder why why the change. It, was it after they found out Taylor Swift was coming? Uh, <laughs> maybe nerves for some of the guys? I, I'm not sure. Unless they're saying the Chiefs just blew out one team, they're not going to do it two weeks in a row. You know, sometimes you're sitting here going, all right, they had their one great game. Now they're going to revert back. Uh, but the Chiefs reverting, reverting back was the good offensive game. That's what they've done over the past, I don't know, entire tenure under Andy Reid. Now, I get it. I mean, we talked about it last night, actually. Man, I've done so much radio over the past week. The Chiefs blew out a team. And how often have we sat here saying they took care of business? We've talked about how in the previous years, you know, last year with the Broncos, with the Texans, they were supposed to blow those teams out, and those games went to either overtime or their one-score game went down to the wire. Correct. Right? One time it took a Nick Bolton fumble recovery uh, for the Chiefs to actually come out on top. That was what, Carlos Dunlap, or is that Melvin Ingram who forced it? Uh, I think Dunlap had one. Uh, Ingram was had one a couple years ago. Though. Yeah. So... The point is, the Chiefs don't always blow teams out that they're supposed to blow out. This is the NFL any given Sunday. These are also NFL athletes. We're not talking Alabama versus an FCS school. Okay? Same time, the Jets can't score. The Chiefs defense looks really good, but even the Chiefs defense was not as good as they currently are. Jets can't score. Defensively, I think the Jets are locked down. They're outstanding. Quinnen Williams... Quincy Williams' brother at linebacker has been great this year. Sauce Gardner, former K-State Wildcat, DJ Reed. Um, talking with the Jets guy yesterday, he even said Michael Carter, the cornerback Michael Carter, has actually been really, really good, really talented. I mean, the Jets' defense is loaded. But if the Chiefs, if the Chiefs score 23 points, they're probably still covering the 9.5. Yeah. I mean, we saw what that Jets defense did to uh, to Buffalo. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They are loaded. But it's just the offense. It's horrible. And again, I you know, I see truth is sometimes the Chiefs make trash quarterbacks look good. I think this defense is different. I think what I've seen from this defense is who they are. Now, I'm not saying they're going to hold the Miami Dolphins or the Minnesota Vikings to, you know, 13 points. They held Justin Fields to 10, and quite frankly, should have been 3. Should have been 0. Yeah. I mean, they they pulled everyone. I mean, they, they, were, they weren't trying at that point. The Lions, top 5 offensive DVOA last year, top 5 in yards and points per game last year. Held them. What was it to... Uh... The Lions scored 14 total, and then they got 7. They got 7 of the pick 6, yeah. And then was it 11... Nine, nine points, whatever it was, against the Jaguars. Nine, yeah, you're right. I mean, Chiefs defense looks electric. There's no two ways about it. I don't care if you want to talk about competition or anything like that. And I know in the past they have made bad quarterbacks look good. I just personally believe I am all in on this Chiefs defense being top five in so many categories when the season ends. And they're going to start padding their stats right now. They were padding the stats against the Bears. They're going to pad these stats against the Jets. Zach Wilson, in my opinion, will not look good. I get it. He's got talent. There's a reason he was drafted where he was drafted. There's a reason why people got enamored by his arm strength and his mobility. But again, as I said, I wasn't joking. 
at least Sam Darnold was seeing something. Zach Wilson right now looks just mentally confused out there. You know, Jamarcus Russell had all the talent in the world. Couldn't put it together. Now, I'm not saying Zach Wilson isn't, is out here not looking at film, right? right? Right. But there's obviously a disconnect from the talent portion to the on-field performance. There is, there is where the disconnect is happening. And when you evaluate the Jets' offense, what's the biggest threat? Willie Gay said it. He's looking at those running backs. Yeah. But when you can't throw the ball, what can you do? You can... Seven in the box. Tunnel, eight in the yeah, box. Tunnel vision, <laughs> tunnel vision on those running backs. The threat is minimal. Yeah. I see Johnny Football was drafted too. Yeah, but it wasn't second overall. We knew, we also knew the risks with Johnny Manziel. Yeah. Um, he was 22nd overall, I believe. I think there was more uh, off-the-field stuff with Johnny, too, than uh, Zach Wilson. Oh, really? Oh, really? I'm kidding. Come on. Come now. on now, Urban Meyer. <laughs> Maybe there was... Uh, the only off-the-field issues you have with Zach Wilson is probably hanging out with uh, Stacy's mom. What? I knew that. I knew that's what you were going for. What, Kyle? No, oh, it's accurate. Explain it to your grandma who's listening. I will. We're waiting, Kyle. Oh, not right now. Tell the class. This is more of an off-air kind of conversation. Conversation. Yeah. Okay. Grandma uh, Zach Wilson has been uh, linked to uh, much older women than he. Yeah, he's twenty-three, twenty-two. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. That that that's the short summary. That's a short summary. Yeah. The spark notes, yeah. if you will. I can send her an article. You can <laughs> email or text. Text. Yeah. Okay. She's technologically sound. Good for her. She more than me, probably. I, I'm the least technologically sound. <laughs> I do radio for a living. How? Come on. <laughs> All right. Let's take a quick break. We're gonna come back. More Chiefs audio. Home stretch. ESPN Kansas City. Welcome back to the home stretch, ESPN Kansas City. All right, so we've been talking about Trent McDuffie. I'd love to play some audio from Steve Spagnolo. Uh, audio from Spags in regards to Trent McDuffie. The main thing is it's allowed um, LJ to stay outside and match. You know, we've done that a little bit in certain packages with their quote unquote number one receiver, so that's helpful. And, you know, we talk about how versatile LJ is. I mean, Trent. Just as versatile, being able to go inside and outside. So I think we talked about that last week, that as many guys as we can have playing different positions, I think that helps us. In regards to Legereus Sneed and Trent McDuffie, you're looking at one of the best tandems of cornerbacks in the NFL right now. Now, I'm not saying it's Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard, but let's be real. Sneed and McDuffie have been locked down. You know... The Patriots got some guys, too. Christian Gonzalez, that rookie, looks phenomenal. But he brings it up. The emergence of McDuffie allows Legereus Need to travel with bigger-bodied wide receivers. You can move either or, inside or out. Again, the versatility, which has been the uh, what I've been yelling from the mountaintops all offseason, again, is ringing true. 
Now, I don't know about you. Kyle, were you nervous about Chris Jones and his snap count? Against Chicago? Yes. Just slightly. I mean, he played very few snaps. No, not at all. Okay, well. <laughs> were you? Slightly. I was slightly concerned early on. Because he didn't get enough? Or? Yeah, just early on. Cause, you know, he wants to hit his numbers. Mm-hmm. Okay, he wants to hit those incentives. He knows all that stuff. Now, I get why they didn't play him a ton, especially later on in the game. I actually like that they're holding back a little bit. They're using him a little bit like Micah Parsons with the Cowboys, right? Instead of playing him every single down, where he's at 80% for every single down, you play him on three-quarters of the amount you typically would. Then you get him at 100% for those downs. They do it with Micah Parsons in Dallas, and I wonder if we keep this going on with Chris Jones, but... Steve, or, um, yeah, Steve Spagnuolo talks about Chris Jones and the snap count. Again, squashing some of the concerns, the minor concerns I may have had. Yeah, no, he's been down. I think the, I think it was 16, 18 snaps, whatever it was, for Chris. And that was really more an, an indication of the score. It got into the third quarter, and I think Coach Reed and I, you know, we wanted to protect one of our top players, and then slowly we got some of those other guys out too. Um, some of the other guys didn't play as many reps either, that, and that's kind of a good thing. I mean, totally, I think we had 53 as a defense. I like to play 53 plays every week because that's down the road. That's helpful. I, you know, I, you'd have to ask Chris, Chris where he thinks he is in terms of conditioning and all that. There hasn't been a moment in the game where we felt he's been winded. I think Joe's done a good job, you know, navigating that. And we'll just keep uh, him and Chris and I talked the other day. I mean, hopefully we get to the point where he's playing the 50, 55 plays like he was last year. But um, a little bit of a blessing that the game went the way it did last week. And we could do that. So the reason why I said I was minorly scared, he has a groin injury. LP, limited participant, nothing crazy, but again, something to keep an eye on. So I was wondering if, okay, did he not play a ton because of the groin injury? Or is it because the Chiefs are up so much? Well, it's because the Chiefs are up so much. That's what I figured it was. So that kind of explains my lack of uh, my lack of uh, agitation or anxiousness about it. I was not agitated. I'm agitated now that you no, thought I, I was I, agitated, I Kyle. It. I said anxiousness. Anxiousness. I corrected <laughs> myself. This defense with Chris Jones, when he gets back to full strength, fully playing, as he mentioned, those 55 snaps a game. Maybe they only bust it down to 45. I'm fine with that. Again, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, if you use the Micah Parsons strategy, I'm all in. Yeah. This defense is going to be incredible, man. They are going to be top five in a lot of categories. Yeah. I think DVOA is the one I look at more than anything. I think yards per game is going to be very difficult to judge because the Chiefs offense typically, as they start to get rolling, other teams are going to get more opportunities because the Chiefs offense they're going to score a lot of points, yeah. so their offenses are going to have to try and keep up. You face the Chiefs, you play the Chiefs much differently than you would play the New York Jets. Okay, you're gonna if you score 17 against Zach Wilson and the Jets, you're trying to run the clock out. You do this, that, the other, right? It's a little different game plan against both teams. I will still always down the hill that the uh, Jets should become the New Jersey Jets. It blows my mind that they have that right in front of you. Um, literally, it's, it's in, they play in Jersey. I say this once a week at a minimum, but because the Chiefs are playing the Jets, you're going to hear me say it more. Why are they not the New Jersey Jets? They play in Jersey. 
It rolls off the tongue better. I don't, I don't like it, man. That's a hill you're going to die on. I am going to die on that. I would legit. I wouldn't literally. Okay. I'm not going to literally die on a hill for this. But I would. No, I wouldn't even give a finger. I wouldn't give a finger. I, I would be. Well, I'll be mildly upset by it. Okay. Like Kyle, I'll be agitated by it. Okay, Kyle? Slightly anxious. Slight, That's what I meant. Fine. Slightly anxious about it. All right. Next one I want to hear is, I want to hear from Andy Heck. Andy Heck was talking about Jawan Taylor. Andy Heck trying to talk about Jawan Taylor adjusting. Uh, we, we know he's been lining up too far back. We know that the second penalty maybe was a, well, not a penalty. The one that ended up being an MVS touchdown. You heard Andy Reid really animated about this post game, and not only that, you don't see Andy Reid that animated. And he also tried to be a little sneaky, taking Jawan out of the game, putting in backups to see if those guys lined up even farther back than Jawan. If the refs would call it, the refs obviously did not, and now you have a whole different situation going on. But here is Andy Heck talking about Taylor adjusting. Well, I imagine it's pretty difficult. I mean, we're working at it. He's working at it. Um, he's like you say, he's used to doing something a certain way and you know, you get a picture in your brain of, of what has worked. I'm, I'm sitting here sitting on a guy, I'm looking at him at this angle and then changing that uh, puts you in a, um, out of your comfort zone. So, you know, that's what he's working on. And that's my concern is out of your comfort zone. He's already said that or Juwan himself has said he's been doing this for four plus years now. He did his entire tenure in Jacksonville. They're just now starting to call it. And that's fine if you're saying the Chiefs are getting picked on because it's happening now and not when he was in Jacksonville. I get it. I'll listen to it. I'll entertain it. But guess what? If they're going to keep calling it, you got to do something. So if they are going to call it, you have to adjust. And my one concern is if he has been doing this for four plus years, how hard physically and mentally will it be to adjust? I actually think it's harder mentally than physically. Because if you see what Jawan Taylor's doing when he has lined up correctly, he's been great. He's been outstanding. He's not great at run blocking, but he never was. He is really good in pass protection. You know, ESPN pass, what's it, the pass block win rate? He, he, he's way up there as far as league leaders. He's been outstanding, especially against Jacksonville, week two. So to me, this is more of a mental situation going on. And that's the hard part, is, is getting Juwan to say, hey, dude, look, you are just as good lining up normally the correct way as you are lining up farther back. You are talented. You have the quick first step. You don't need to be lining up that far back. Now, maybe Orlando Brown Jr., that's a different situation. He's a bigger, bigger guy, not, not as quick. It's not me trying to take necessarily a shot at yeah. Orlando Brown Jr., but I'm saying like, some of those bigger-bodied guys, they need the extra time. Jawan Taylor and his athleticism does not. So, for me, this is more of a mental thing for Jawan. We will see how it goes as the season unfolds and plays out. I also do think the refs... Come on, guys. We saw the Bengals have literally only the center lined up correctly. No flag. You could land a Boeing 4... 747, what is it, 747? Yeah, that's the, that's the big one. That's the big one, not the 737, the 747. We're talking yeah. about the big boys. Uh-huh. In between the tackle and the center, and there would still be room. I mean, it's absurd. Yeah. No flag. 
I, I would like some consistency is all I'm saying. Is that too much to ask? No, not at all. Just want some consistency. Now, I want to ask you this. Uh, Chris Collinsworth is going to be on the game again. Yeah. And many have blamed him for Juwan Taylor's... Uh, no. No, no, no. I, Does that make you nervous uh, at all? No. What, what, what's, what's he going to do? He's not throwing flags in the I broadcast wanna, I wanna booth. S- I want to see what he says. Would you think Chris Collinsworth's in the broadcast booth, like, calling down to the referees, like, hey, guys, that's a flag. He, Chris Collinsworth loves the Chiefs. Dog always talks positive about Mahomes. He's like, now nah, here's a guy. That he's, is true. he's a magician, man. I love watching that guy play football, man. Like, Chris Collinsworth is always talking about the Chiefs. But because of his comments against the Lions, that caused a ton of people to go up in arms. Now, here's a guy with two <laughs> thumbs who's pointed at him who does not care. Like, it's fine to me. I get what he was saying. He wasn't wrong. Yeah. He was lining up too far back then in that particular game. Maybe he didn't notice it when he was playing with Jacksonville because no one noticed what was going on in Jacksonville. They were a dumpster fire. Yeah. Urban Meyer was there, and then they got Doug Peterson. They got semi-relevant. Point is, I, I say here, yeah, Chris Collinsworth has no control over the outcome of the game. Just because he said it doesn't mean at, people on Twitter were talking about it nonstop. That's the same thing. It's going to get to the refs' attention, or at least the NFL attention, at some point. That wasn't just Chris Collinsworth. I know it's easy to point to him out because you hear him talk on radio, you hear him talk on 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 TV. Yeah. He's got no control, man. He's not the one throwing flags. There weren't flags thrown in that game until the very end when he actually did false start. So, no, that does not bother me at all. I, I've always liked Chris Collinsworth. It reminds me. I, I don't know. I like oh, I, I, do too. I like his voice. I think he's entertaining. I think he's fun. His, his zest for the game is palpable. So, no, I don't think, Kyle, he has any control. I know that. I just want to hear what he has to say. Do you? Do you think your grandma liked this show? Oh, yeah. Do you think she's going to tune in again? The only part she didn't like uh, is what I just brought up about Collinsworth. She loves that guy, too. Yeah. See, I'm Team Kyle's grandma, man. Come on. Team Kyle's grandma. Her team's a winning one. What's her name? Linda. It's oh, a good name. Good job, Linda. Which side? My, my dad. Your dad's uh-huh. side. Wow. Thank you, Linda. Tune in anytime. We're a very grandma-friendly show. Yeah, there we go. We like we like the grandmas on this show. I go to bed at 9 p.m. I have a nice bourbon, okay? I'm not going to lie. That's maybe not be grandma-approved, but I, do, I go to bed reading a book. See? That's grandma-approved. We'll be back tomorrow from 3 to 4 p.m. Until then, we are out. <laughs>